Are you ready to lift your life to another level? Your best days are ahead of you, and opportunity is knocking at your door daily. And your time for success in life is now. Welcome to the Ideal Life Podcast. Get ready to empower your dreams and take over your destiny. Now, here is your life coach, author, and motivational speaker, Shane Warren. exists a love far greater than we will ever understand. A love prophesied for ages. Then to disrupt the rain of darkness. Challenge the skeptics. A love that quenches our thirst. Seeks after the sick. And mends the broken. A love that came to our rescue. Despite our betrayal and our denial, we bore the weight of our sin. Facing death by being nailed to a cross. And while darkness appeared victorious, This love emerged from the grave. If you're going to take notes, write this title at the top, The Great Exchange, and let's look at Isaiah chapter 53 together. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. For he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. I want you to notice in that passage, He took something and He also gave us something. It's very important. Because we're going to talk about this great exchange. Listen to verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before His shears is silent, so He opened not His mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare His generation? For He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of My people He was stricken, and they made His grave with the wicked. But with the rich at His death, because He had done no violence at all, nor was any deceit in His mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He, was, he has put Him to grief. When you make His soul an offering for sin, He shall see His seed, He shall prolong His days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. He shall see the labor of His soul and shall be satisfied. By His knowledge, My righteous servants shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I'll divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressions. He bore the sin of many, and he made an intercession for the transgressors. I want to stop right here, and I want to pray, and ask the Lord to help me, and also to help you, to understand the depths of the great exchange they're going to talk about today. Would you bow your heads with me, Lord Jesus? We thank You for this time to come together and to study the Word of God. Father, these are difficult days. Calamity is upon the land. We need Your help. Right now, during this Passover season, we choose to remember the blood of the spotless Lamb of God that died for our sins. And we praise You and thank You for having mercy upon us. You were the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. This thing called redemption is a wonderful, glorious, divine plan. Help us today to understand that plan to a greater depth and degree. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, there are 66 books in your Bible. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Interestingly enough, there are also 66 chapters that can be found in the book of Isaiah. Theologians agree that there are two major divisions to the prophet Isaiah. The first is chapters 1 through 39. The second is chapters 40 through 66. So just like in your Bible... 39 chapters in the first division, 27 chapters in the second division, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Because of this, theologians often refer to the second division of Isaiah the prophet as the gospel that is found in the Old Testament. Because when you take a, a closer look at the 27 chapters of Isaiah the prophet, you will find three very distinct sections incorporating nine chapters each. First, 40, chapters 40 through 48. Second, chapters 49 through 57. And the third section will be chapters 58 through 66. So when you go to the middle chapter of the middle section, uh, of the second division, basically, you'll find yourself right in the middle of the book, Isaiah chapter 53. Now, when we follow our fingers down the verses of this chapter, we will eventually come to verses 4 through 6, which is 
ironically, in the exact middle of this chapter, which is in the exact middle of the three sections of the book. Today, this is going to be our text because this is the gospel that is found in the Old Testament. Now, let me just say to you that there is a single theme that runs completely throughout the Word of God. That theme is this, atonement. You see, the Word of God can be divided into basically three syllables, or this word rather, atonement, can be divided into three syllables. At, one, meant. Atonement is basically God and the sinner being brought into relationship in which they once again become one. You see, when Adam sinned in the garden, you and I, all of humanity, was thrust into a sinful state and we were estranged from God. But the atoning work makes us at one with Him. Jesus Christ being the mediator of this new covenant between you and I uh, and God. uh, And now God has been reconciled to man and man has been reconciled to God. Now interesting, the word atonement in Hebrew is the word kippur, which literally means a covering. You see, it was understood as a day that used to occur once a year. And all of the sin of the past years on, on that day uh, would to be covered by a day called the Day of Atonement where the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and there on that one day, one time a year, he would offer the blood that would cover man's sin. Now, I want you to realize something. That's what Jesus Christ was to you and I. So Isaiah chapter 53 is a chapter all about the atonement. You see, until 2,000 years ago, on a small hill outside Jerusalem, busy sidewalks, the New Testament atonement was being made. At this same time of year that you and I are celebrating, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was dying on a cross, atoning for the world's sins. I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. But now, once at the end of ages, He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. You see, on this lonely hill that you and I call Mount Calvary, set what would forever be known as the ultimate symbol of sacrifice and atonement. And it was called the cross. Let me tell you a little bit about the cross. And I'm going to try not to get too excited now because when I talk about what Jesus did for me and for you at the cross, it makes me want to run around this place. Let's talk about the cross. Think about this this for a moment. Number one, God, the great physician, looked from His lofty home of the throne of God on a helpless humanity and He diagnosed mankind's condition. He said it was sin. On the cross, God's cure for our condition was found. You see, the cross is the anchor for all the world to hold sacred. The cross is the centerpiece of our faith. Yet multitudes don't understand the significant sacrifice or the symbol of the cross. Unfortunately, it has really become little more than nothing but cheap jewelry that we hang around our neck. It is just ornamentation now. 
But ladies and gentlemen, the cross is the only source of grace. And it is the only source of power that makes all the other graces that are found in the Word of God work. What happened on the cross was a fact of history. But its significant significance transcends all of time. I want to give you some scripture that I think will be a blessing to you. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 21. It says, You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. Did you know that in the Old Testament, God said you and I were not to surround the cross or surround a tree uh, or surround the altar with the tree that we would plant. Why is that? Because God was looking forward to a time where the blood of His only Son would be altar, offered on the altar of sacrifice. And He wanted the cross to be set apart from everything else. You see, you and I aren't supposed to surround the cross of Christ with anything else. Nothing upon it, nothing in front of it, nothing behind it. The cross alone stands as the place where the power of atonement works. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul said, this is what we preach to change the world. We preach Christ and Him crucified. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the same man who said, I preached that, said, I live this way. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 2, Paul said, I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8, Paul went on to say, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which was ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What I'm trying to show you from these passages of Scripture is the Old and the New Testament alike focus upon the power of the cross. Why is that? Because on the cross, there was a great exchange that took place where Jesus took our sin, gave us His righteousness. Where Jesus took our pain and suffering and gave us His promises. And today what I want to do is I want to teach you the nine major exchanges that took place upon the cross. First of all, let's talk about the first major exchange that took place upon the cross. It was the fact that He was punished that we might be forgiven. Folks, I want you to realize, according to verse number 5 in Isaiah 53, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. Jesus did nothing wrong. Jesus had committed no violence, as the Word of God says. Yet, He took our punishment. He took that punishment for one major reason, so that you and I would be forgiven. Can I tell you something? Had Jesus not shed His blood upon the cross, you and I would forever be lost in a state of sinfulness, doomed for eternal destruction apart from God. But because Jesus died on the cross, you and I can now come to the foot of that cross and we can ask for mercy. And the Bible says He'll forgive us. He took our punishment. Jesus didn't deserve to hang on that cross. You and I deserve to hang on that cross. 
It was kind of like the two thieves that hung on Jesus' left and right. You remember one of them reviled Him and the other one said, leave Him alone. This man has done nothing wrong. Yet Jesus hung there. You do realize that He could have called 10,000 angels at any moment not only to take Him off the cross but destroy the kingdoms of men of the world at that time. But Jesus decided to hang on that cross. Why? Because Isaiah said He was wounded for our transgression. Now, a wound is an affliction or a cut that takes place on the outside of the body. If I were to cut my arm right now, it would create a wound, an open wound, and blood would fall. The Bible says He was wounded for our transgression. Now, transgressions are what we do on the outside of our body. It's the actions that we do that are against the Word, the laws, or the instructions of God. Jesus died for every sinful action. The Bible says He was wounded for our transgressions, but it also says He was bruised for our iniquity. Now, a bruised is internal bleeding. So I want you to get this in your mind. Jesus was punished for our sin so that we could be forgiven. He was punished for everything that we would do on the outside of our body, every transgression. But Jesus was also beaten and He bled inside of His body for even the internal baggage that we carry. You see... Some of us uh, do things on the outside and we, we, we have transgressions. I'm not minimizing that, but I believe some of the greatest healing that needs to take place, some of the greatest forgiveness that needs to take place is right here on the inside of us because out of the abundance of the heart flow all the other issues of life. In fact, most of the outward sins we commit are because of the inward iniquities that are in us. But the good thing is, is Jesus, one of the great exchanges on the cross is Jesus took our punishment so that we might be forgiven. I want you to look at it like this. He literally took, like we exchanged clothes with Him like a coat. He took our coat and He gave us His coat. And part of that, He was took our punishment so that you and I might be forgiven. Let me give you the second great one that I believe uh, will minister to you. Jesus was wounded that I might be healed. Now, this is especially important in this season that we're living in where we need to believe for the Word of God. Listen to verse number 4 and 5 again. Surely He has borne our grief, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Now I know there's some cessationists out there that don't believe that Jesus died for healing, but I'm telling you, part of the atoning work is found right here in Isaiah chapter 53. And for those of you who say that this was not part of the atoning work, I'm going to go over here in my Bible right now really quickly, and I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 8, and I want to read this to you. It says in verse 14, Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, He saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Now listen, and he healed all who were sick. Now why did he do that? Verse number 17, it tells you that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Matthew 
the writer Matthew in the New Testament interpreted Isaiah chapter 53, him bearing our sicknesses, not as just a spiritual healing, even though that's part of it, but also as a physical healing. So today, if you're watching me and you're battling sickness and disease, I challenge you in the name of the Lord, rise up with the Word of God and say, Lord, you said by your stripes at Calvary 2,000 years ago, I was healed. So I receive my healing today. I am healed. This is one of the great exchanges that took place at the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus took my sickness and gave me His healing. Let me give you number three. I think this will really mean something to you. He took my sin and He made me the righteousness of God in Him. You see, Jesus was made sin with my sinfulness. Now think about that. Jesus took your sin and He put it on Himself. Now the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that Jesus became a sinner. Jesus did not die a sinner. He died a sinner's death. You see, He was the spotless Lamb of God and upon Him was placed the sins of the whole world. Let me read to you Isaiah 53, verse 10 and 11. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall be in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what this is basically saying is God allowed the sins of the whole world to come upon Him for one thing, that it might reconcile all of mankind back to Himself. So Jesus was made sin. He was not a sinner. He was made sin that you and I might be the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, we're not righteous in and of ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous. In fact, our best good deeds, our best day of living is like filthy rags before God. So you can't be right with God because of what you did. You can only be right with God because of what He did 2,000 years ago. He was the propitiation for our sin. He was the substitute sacrifice. Instead of you and I dying for our sin, Jesus died for our sin. Y'all better be giving me some thumbs up and some hearts right now if you could say a big amen to that. Let me give you number five, number or number four here. Uh, he died our death so that we could share His life. Listen to verse number 12 here. Therefore I'll divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Listen to what God said. God said because Jesus is doing him, I'm going to give him the portion of the great. But then it turns around and it says, but he, Jesus, is going to divide the spoil with the strong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is so wonderful. Jesus died my death so that I could share his life. You see, the Word of God says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy he said, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundant. Boy, I feel the anointing of the Spirit of God on me right now. Friend, I want you to know something. You might feel hopeless today, but Jesus died so that you might have life. And He don't want you to have a barely get by, get along life. Jesus wants you to have a good life. And I know right now crazy things are going on, but let me give you some hope in the Lord. God has not left you. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Today God is on your side and He's given you His life. Zoe, the life of God. The life of God. 
resurrection life. Here in a few days, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. You need to be excited about it. That's the life that's on the inside of you. For the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of your mortal body. So again, the fourth great exchange is He died our death that you and I might be able to share in His life. Y'all ready for another one? Here it goes. Here is exchange number five. Jesus was made a curse that I might receive the blessing. Now, I hope you write that down somewhere in your Bible. Jesus was made a curse that I might receive the blessing. Now, I want you to take your Bible and let's go over here to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And I want to read to you verse number 13 uh, and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Why did He do this? Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come uh, upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Here's what the Word of God is teaching. The Word of God is saying Jesus was made a curse so that you and I could be blessed. You can't be blessed apart from Christ. Now you might get some things in life, you might have some things in life, but that don't make you blessed. What makes you blessed is being in Christ. Now folks, Jesus hung on that tree and cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus took the curse of humanity so that He could give you and I the blessing of heaven. Oh, it's so powerful. The power of the exchange. Let me give you exchange number six. Exchange number six. Jesus endured my poverty that I might share His abundance. He endured my poverty that I might share His abundance. Now, let's go over here to the book of 2 Corinthians. And it it talks about this in 2 Corinthians. And I hope again you're getting your Bible out because we're supposed to be having Bible study here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9. Listen to this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that through His poverty you might become rich. Now, immediately some good theologian is going to grab uh, my teaching now and they're going to say, hold it, hold it, Pastor. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9 is talking about Jesus becoming poor that we might become rich spiritually. So did Jesus, if that's the question, I got a, I got a couple of responses to that. Number one, if that's the question, are you saying Jesus became poor spiritually? Because He did not become poor spiritually. He humbled Himself and became a man but He didn't become poor spiritually. But the Bible says He became poor that you and I might become rich. The second problem I have with viewing that this is only talking about spiritual blessing and not physical blessing is 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is talking about giving and receiving physical riches. Physical riches. And Paul said in that context that He became poor that you and I might become rich. Now I want you to think about this. Think about the throne of God. Think about heaven. Think about what it must look like. The wealth, the opulence, the abundance that is there. Of course, Jesus coming to this earth would like, be like stepping into poverty. But He did that so that you and I could receive the good things in life. Did you know the Bible says that if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land? That means I believe, guys, you should have the good of everything. I believe it's God's will to bless you physically, financially, and spiritually. I believe all of it is is a part of the blessing of Abraham that wants to come on your life. I really do. 
So what I get up and do every day, I say, Lord, I thank You that today I'm going to eat the good of, of, of the land. I'm going to wear the good of the land. I'm going to drive the good of the land. I'm going to live in the good of the land. Right now, my wife and I are believing God for a house. We've moved to Cookville. We've abandoned everything that we've known. We're starting all over. We're believing God for a house. We, we're believing God for land. We don't know how it's going to come, but I'm believing that it's going to be debt-free to the glory of God. Now, why do I believe that? Because I believe that He became poor so that I might become rich. Now, I don't think I should be rich just for riches' sakes. I don't think I should have abundance just for abundance' sake. I want to be blessed so that I can be a blessing. Well, I've got to move on. Let me give you exchange number seven. He bore my shame and He gave me His glory. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about all the shame for the wrongdoing that you have done throughout your whole life. And think about how that would loom over your head and you could never live that down. But part of the atoning work on the cross is Jesus took your shame to give you His glory. Now right here, I want to stop and I want to look into this camera and I want you to listen to me today. And if you're listening via the podcast, that's okay as well. Listen intently to what I'm about to say. I know that many of you, just like myself, have done some things that you're extremely ashamed of. And some of you can't forgive yourself. And shame and condemnation is a vicious cycle that when it comes on your life, the enemy knows it's hard to break out of it. Now what happens when shame and condemnation come on your life, hopelessness sets in. And you feel like you can't be forgiven. You feel like you can't be right with God. So therefore what you do is you give in to that cycle and you just become more wicked and you do more things and it increases more shame and more condemnation. And it's a vicious cycle that will drive you into the ground and literally kill you if you let it. But let me tell you what happened at the cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus shed that blood. The Bible says He rolled your reproach off of you. It's such a powerful, powerful exchange. Now, I'm thankful today that even though I failed the Lord many times, I can come clean. I can ascend the mountain of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart and I can stand before God justified. Justified. Just as if I'd never done it. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Now folks, if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will make you happy, but this is what Jesus did on the cross for us. Let me give you exchange number eight. Exchange number eight is Jesus endured my rejection that I might have His acceptance. Listen to Isaiah uh, chapter 53. If you want to turn back over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number three. He was despised. He was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised and we did not esteem Him. Did you know Jesus understands rejection? Jesus understands and feels. He knows what it feels like emotionally, physically, mentally to be rejected by men. He carried that rejection to the cross. The Bible says He came into His own and His own received Him not. I believe the rejection of men is one of the most powerful influences in our life. I believe because of that we have the fear of man. And when you have the fear of man, you'll do whatever you need to do to please man. And it's a trap. Again, it's a trap. And it hurts so bad to be rejected. It hurts so bad for people to look over you, pass over you, 
for people to not appear to appreciate you or to see the gifts or value what you carry in your life. It hurts extremely bad. And all of us who are gathering together right now and listening to this, we've all been rejected. We've all been hurt. We've all been walked through it. And many times we feel like, man, what am I going to do? I've been there, folks. But I want to tell you something. Whenever I start feeling that rejection, I feel like I'm not loved and I'm not accepted. I have to remember that if nobody else on this planet accepts me, the Son of the living God has made a way and He accepts me. You and I really, after it's all said and done, have an audience of one. When we die and we stand before God, we will not stand there with our loved ones beside us, giving an account for their life or our life. We'll not stand there with our boss. We'll not even stand there with our pastor. Let me tell you what we'll do. We'll stand there with nothing but us and Jesus. So all of our life, we have an audience of one. We only need to be worried about being accepted by one. And 2,000 years ago on the cross, He's already settled that for you and I. He's already settled that. And He said on the cross, I accept you. This is the reason the Bible says for anybody who comes to Him, He'll in no wise cast them out. Well, let me give you the last exchange that Jesus took at the cross. My old man was crucified in Him that my new man might come to life in me. I want to read to you the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we quote this scripture all the time, but at this time of the year for me, it has such a powerful, powerful message. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. And for those of you who are struggling today with your life, I want you to hear these words. If anyone is in Christ. Now there's the, there's the big question. If anyone, that's a big if folks. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you the power of the cross. The power of the cross is your old man. For those of us who have put faith in Jesus, for those of us who make Jesus the Lord of our life, here's what happens. Old things pass away. All things become new. Whenever you and I come to Christ and we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Lord, come into our heart. Lord, become the Lord of our life. We surrender our life to You. Let me tell you what happens. At that moment, God writes our name in the Lamb book of life, Lamb's book of life. Jesus takes His blood and He washes away all of our sin, past, present, and future. The old man, all the old things that I did. You know there's a book of your life that's recorded According to the book of Psalms, there's a book in heaven that has all the days of your life in it. And the Bible says they're all in it, all of your actions every moment of your life. I really believe this. I believe that God takes this Holy Ghost eraser called the blood of Jesus and all the wicked deeds of our life and days gone by, God erases those deeds. Why? Because if any man be in Christ, he's an old creature. Old things pass away. But all things become new if we're in Christ. The old creature, the old man is gone. So for those of you today that are watching me and you say, but Pastor Shane, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the people I've hung out and the people I did it with. I've got to tell you something. I know I don't know that, but let me give you a promise. 2,000 years ago, a man hung on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I plead with you. I beg you. Give your life to Christ. 
Give your life to Christ. Ask Jesus to become your Savior and Lord. And let Him do what I promised He would do. Let Him write your, His name in the Lamb's book of life. Let Him today also take you and make your old ways pass away and give you a brand new life. I can tell you after pastoring for 30 years, I've watched people come to Him one way and leave a totally different person. God has changed their lives forever. I can't, I can't recount the tens of thousands, if not millions of people that I've watched God change their life at a moment. They had worked for 10, 20, 30 years. I've seen addicts work for 10 years, go in and out of addiction uh, uh, recovery facilities. And I'm not knocking that. I believe in that. Uh, I've, I've watched them uh, go to prison, go to jail, spend countless hours incarcerated, but they couldn't get free. But I've watched them come to an altar, give their life to Christ, and the blood of Jesus wash away all of their sin and set them free instantaneously. And today, if you're bound by your sin, I want you to know there's hope in Jesus. Today, if you've done something, you feel like you've got shame and God doesn't love you, I want you to know that's a lie from the pit of hell. You just take that shame and go right to the throne room of God and you lay it down at the altar. God wants to take the old and God wants to give you a new. Well, today, I hope that this has been a blessing to you as we talked about the great exchange. And I want to encourage you to prepare yourself for Resurrection Sunday morning that is coming this Sunday. Tonight, would you do me a favor and before you go to bed, would you take time with your family just to tell the Lord, thank you for dying for your sin because had it not been for Him, you and I would forever be lost in our sin. Thank you for joining us today for the Ideal Life Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.